1: Sure. Welcome to Devon Dragon Radio. I'm your host, M.L. Wooschock. I'm here with a very special guest, Larry Thornton. Welcome.
0: Great. Good to be here. Looking forward to our discussion.
1: Now, it's not often I get to speak to someone that helped change America. And you probably <laughs> don't think it that way. I do not. <laughs> but your story started in the 60s. Yeah.
0: Yep. So, in the South.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, 60s in the South in America. That was a horrible time in our culture, but also led into so much growth. And here you are now a CEO of a corporation.
0: Yep. How cool is that?
1: That, that is amazing.
0: Yep. Which goes to show you that if we do not allow our past missteps to define us, it's amazing what we can accomplish in life.
1: Exactly. I mean, okay, so we start with your story. You're a teenager. You're accepted one of six students, I believe, to an all white school. And that was played out in front of the media. You know, you think about it, you changed America in that, that moment. And now you get to hear in your corporate owner. You're a CEO, you're an author, and you've done so much wonderful things to go back.
0: Well, I will tell you that I am humbly grateful, ML, for the myriad of opportunities that have been made available to me in spite of I mean, if we were to go back to 1967, 68, if you'll remember Dr. King, ML King, Mm -hmm. was um, murdered uh, in that same school year. So imagine I'm 12, 13 years old in this all white setting, Uh, it's new for me, I'm just reaching puberty, I'm just figuring out who I am. And rather than getting schooled in math, science and English, uh, more than anything, ML, I was being schooled in my worthlessness and how I did not measure up. I did not have anything to offer. And I tell you, I bought into that whole scenario and I have spent the better part of my adult life having to relearn, redirect, if you will, the trajectory of my thinking. <clears throat> quite, quite an experience.
1: I can... I can't say I can imagine because I wasn't there, but at the same time, we can pull from all walks of life and have that same mindset. So what was the turning point you said, I am worth something?
0: Yeah. Well, let me first say that social construct was more of the culprit and still is today. I think the culprit that is responsible for so much failure how society speaks to and about unspoken words, those unspoken messages that our culture sends to women, uh, to ethnicities, to gender variants, educational status, housing status, sexual orientation. And we fall victim kind of inconspicuously to these, And it's up to us to change that, to reject that messaging and understand who we are. Uh, And I've had to take a lot. Uh, I'd say that just about any any, uh, other ethnicity uh, other than white in this country, um, women, African-Americans, we've walked a very interesting uh, line. We have a very story and Uh, sorted history and past. But if we do not allow that to define us, uh, ML, I, I, because of that circumstance, I would fail every year, summer school, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, I didn't even graduate with my class, I graduated in summer school. Uh, Had there been a category ML that would have identified anyone who was the most unlikely person to succeed at anything in life, my photograph would have been next to it. And so I look at some of the things to your earlier point that I get to do today, and I couldn't be more humbly grateful for those opportunities. And I hope that we'll get an opportunity to talk about, I don't know how much time we have, but to talk about the turning tide, what changed in my life. And I think your listeners will find it interesting.
1: Well, please, in- in Fall us in what changed because everything about what you just said, we have so many people out there today that fall into that category. We are failing in the education system. We are failing in the housing situation. We are failing our citizens because of the social concept. Right. So where well, would your turning point?
0: Well, let me say this to you. Uh, There's a line in my book, or a piece in the book, that talks about the T.O.O. syndrome. It's what I call it. We tend to close people out and we marginalize people because they are too something—too tall, too short, too black, too white, too yellow, too red, too dumb, too smart, too, 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 and. If the truth were known, MOK, other people will get us to our destinies much more expeditiously than we can ourselves. And when we close people out, we close out all of those human resources that could otherwise get us to our end. But we're not necessarily aware of that. We don't relate very well. And I didn't, I fell victim to that. So In the 11th grade at all-white Robert E. Lee, your entire purpose, it seemed, was to so position your schedule to take senior English from anybody other than this too mean, T-O-O, there we go, too mean, Ms. Nichols. Uh, Ms. Nichols, to give you some context, had um, retired from the military. She was a World War II veteran. So she's working on her second career. And I have Miss Nichols for senior English, O-M-G, as they say around my McDonald's restaurant. How would I survive Miss Nichols? And uh, she lived up to her name immediately. Uh, firm, stern, never heard of grading on a curve, Uh, not believing in makeup work, you either did it or you didn't. But Ms. Nichols assigned a book for me to read, ML. Uh, The name of the book was The Pilgrim's Progress. I was fascinated uh, by this book written by John Bunyan, I believe, and the characters would act out the essence of their names, mercy, forgiveness, love, charity, kindness. And I think it tapped into my level of creativity. And Ms. Nichols placed a B plus on my desk. She was shocked, I was shocked, but it was enough for her to know that there's something to this young man and I'm going to do something about it. What a a, a statement of, of paramount proportion and a message to all of us. Our accomplishments, our achievements, are great titles, and I have three or four, thank God. But they mean nothing if we can't make life better for somebody else. Ms. Nichols went well out of her way in a day and time where it wasn't popular to do that. She invited me, ML, to do some yard work with her. She knew that that's what my dad and I did on Saturdays. We would go to the white folks' house, we called it. The names were always incidental and we'd cut and scrape and wax paper, paper wrap sandwiches and paper cups of water out of the back door. But when it was time for lunch, I went in through the front door of her home. Now in the late 60s, that was not common at all for a black person. In fact, Ms. Nichols could have been ostracized by neighbors because of this gesture. But Ms. Nichols knew who she was, powerful statement. When we know who we are, it is incumbent upon us to render a greater and higher service. She's talking to me that day, ML, saying these wonderful things, but I was so busy listening to what she was doing that I heard very little of what she had to say. Key point, some of the most powerful, some of the most pointed, some of the most poignant messages that we will ever deliver or receive will occur without the employment of a single word. That's good to know. I remember her recapturing my listening attention when she said to me, Larry, I think you ought to go to college. Now, I have this horrible academic record. Why would she say that to me? Nobody had ever used my name in college in the same sentence. I experienced that turmoil every day, all day for those four years, going home to a home of love, I think which undergirded my capacity for getting through it. But I will tell you that the Miss Nichols experience, this horrible, mean, cold woman was not so horrible, not so cold after all. Isn't that a wonderful thing to discover? And we do that all the time because she was too mean. This very kind and warm woman was showing a genuine attitude of concern for me. And uh, because I don't know that anybody else, Emil could have done that, could have said that and I would listen, but clearly that was the turning tide for me. What would I study in college? Ms. Nichols? She said, well, you've helped me with my bulletin board all year. You can study art. Really? Art? Is that a thing? I can study art? Because if you would look here again, social construct. All of the great American artists, all of the artists during the Baroque style periods and the Renaissance periods, El Greco, Monet, Titian, uh, none of those artists looked like me, ML and they didn't look like you. So we can choose to believe that there was no female or other ethnic talent, black talent in that day, or somebody didn't represent history correctly. So let's try our best to curb the messaging from a social construct perspective, not get caught up in the TOO syndrome. And let's think in terms of TWO two people interacting. Doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman, educated, uneducated, housing status, ethnicity. It's difficult, ML, to close people out without simultaneously closing ourselves in. And when we're closed in, we can't grow very much.
1: You really can't. I have had teachers that have the same influence on me. Yep. Why don't go you ahead. go to college? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? I didn't listen to their advice then. (laughs) But it has stuck with me and has grown to with me now. It has been able to open doors now where back then I was so close with myself. Absolutely. That I couldn't see beyond that closed door.
0: Yep. Yep. So true for all of us. So many of us, I should say. Uh, You know, obviously getting from that horrific racial circumstance, this was in Montgomery, Alabama, which could clearly uh, be argued as the epicenter of the civil rights movement in Montgomery. Uh, Brown versus Board of Education in this country, uh, that landmark ruling of Topeka, Kansas and other locales. What happened in 1954 but the southern states did not move for gosh another 12 13 years and when it did open up of course there i am so if you think of it and i tend to think of it this way everything that i experienced all of those difficult challenges that i went through as a kid i, I, I had no idea of the why when dr king was killed uh, that night, I remember my mother crying, and my dad, who was a very strong and visceral man, yeah, he was visibly shaken. So something significant had happened. But I'm only 12 years old, so I can't 13 years old, so I can't quite appreciate the significance of this man and his purpose and his call. But to get off the school bus, ML, the next day, amidst this joyous and jubilant and celebratory. Atmosphere was difficult for my young mind to calibrate one incident with two completely different opinions and attitudes and approach. So I had a lot to carry. But if your listeners could remember this, and I say it at least three times in my book if you can't take anything, you can't have anything. The more you can take, often with grace and humility, the more you can have in life. Everything that I experienced in that first year or two or three, because more Blacks began to come to the schools uh, each passing year. But when I look at my world today, being the first and only African-American still to own a McDonald's in Birmingham, and we have seven, uh, the first African-American to serve on the board of directors of Coca-Cola the first and only African-American to serve on the board of directors of Synovus Bank, the Federal Reserve Board. What that training ground, if you will, as horrific as it was, allowed me to become comfortable in an uncomfortable setting. And if we can master that, because life is never going to just be a rollover and easy but I am so grateful for every one of those circumstances that prepared me for the life that I live today. And so I'm able to extract the benefits from these opportunities that I have, take them back to my family and to my community, only because I'm big enough to take it. And I think uh, so often it's not about competency level or the number of degrees that you have, It's about being able to take the blows that life will offer all of us. And I would argue that some of the most intelligent and the most brilliant minds miss their end for no other reason than they can't take the stuff of life. And uh, I'm grateful for my broad shoulders that I can take what I've been able to take and redirect so I could build a better community. That's what I do today.
1: Well, we are very appreciative for everything that you do. And your book says it all. Why not win? That's everything right there. Absolutely. You can either live in the muck or you can take all the muck and go, you know, I can overcome this.
0: Absolutely. Love and, it. and you got to believe it.
1: It is. If you believe that you can do anything, you can be anything, you can build anything, you can get through the muck.
0: I believe it with all of my heart. This book is, has really taken over my life, <laughs> in fact, if you will. I love what I do for Coca-Cola. I've been with Coca-Cola for 43 years, started in 1979 at $5 an hour, and today I sit on the board of directors, chairman of the audit committee of that same company. ML, that is a great American story. It is an even more awesome African-American story. Uh, I love what I do with the bank, elected to the board in 1994. Today, I'm still on the board of directors. In fact, I'm doing this podcast from the president's office at sonobus Bank. Uh, you know, Having started McDonald's in 1992 and my son and I now have the seven restaurants, but I wouldn't want any of the chairmen or the leads to hear what I'm about to say. But I wake up every day and I go to bed every day thinking why not when? And taking the time ML to go back into those circumstances to communicate the messaging uh, that I think is so poignant to help others to change the trajectory of how you think. Because I think most of your listeners would agree with me when I say this, when we change what we think we change what we do. And once I begin to change my thinking, what I get to do today, is just unbelievable. It's incredible, but it's all about my belief. And so the book I think uh, captures those rudiments of thought, those processes of thinking, personal disciplines that leads to a winning experience. Uh, For those of us who want to win, and I'd say that that's most of us, this book has the messaging that I think resonates. Um, But I'm not so sure that everybody is quite clear on how to win or even understanding ML, his or her own inherent responsibility for winning Uh, too often we miss it because we don't realize that it's not about the boss promoting me or giving me a raise or getting another position. It is about you and your contribution to the circumstance. When you put the work in, uh, it's very difficult to go unnoticed. That's been my whole entire life. Do the work, put the work in. Come you in just, early.
1: That's something that's so pinnacle. If you don't do the work, you can't get ahead. <laughs> you can't. That's on your mindset. If you don't put the work in to change your mindset, you're not going to get ahead. If you don't put the work in to succeed in whatever your career path is, you're not going to get there. You're not going to
0: get there. You have to put
1: that work in there. The work in.
0: You just said two things. Putting the work in on the job, and that's probably as far, uh, ML, as most people think. But I have some news for you. Some of the most challenging work that you will ever do is the work that you will do on yourself. Words cannot communicate the significance of working on yourself. Work harder on yourself than you do on any job because once you improve you, well, the job automatically gets a better you. Your family gets a better you. When I have improved my attitude, learning to say thank you, please, and excuse me more often, walk that extra mile, say no to that second slice of pie, drink another glass of water, and by the way, I have to put a plug here, not just water, the sunny water by (laughs) Coca-Cola. Work hard on yourself. And I think that's where we fail. And I can give you very specific examples from a professional perspective and even uh, the least of these positions where people have missed their end, not because they were not competent or capable, they had worked hard on the job, but they failed to work on themselves.
1: Exactly. In 2017, I met my mentor And after we did a podcast, they said, what's holding you back? You're very intelligent talking to you. What's holding you back? Because if you would have met me back then, I'm not the same person I am today. Because you shouldn't be. No, (laughs) I put in so much work to change my mindset, to grow. Now I'm giving him him orders.
0: (laughs) I love it change what you think and you change what you do. But uh, as I said, the social construct, and it starts with this when we were very small, uh, ML, the social construct messaging that we buy into. Um, Real quickly, I'll tell you about this little story when I'm five or six years old, just to speak to what I'm referring to. So if I'm five or six, that must be in 1959, okay? So this particular Christmas, ML, Santa Claus brings one of my sisters a black doll. And I remember my sister crying all day long on Christmas day. Even I wondered why did Santa Claus bring her that? Isn't that horrible? But that's the reality of social constructing. What am I talking about? We only had two, maybe three stations in that day and we would watch the cartoons every Saturday morning and throughout the cartoons would be interspersed the advertisements Mm -hmm. and we would tell mama what to tell Santa to bring us for Christmas. Every single doll that was advertised was Barbie or Susie Smart or some other blonde blue-eyed doll. And that's what my sister wanted. That's what all of her other friends had, it, had. That's what her other sister had. Now, my mother was probably trying to make a move and defying the social construct messaging that you too are beautiful, not just Barbie and Susie Smart, but ML, it didn't work. My sister never stopped crying until my mother eventually would acquiesce. And she went out and found the doll, which was easy to find. In fact, she had to work very hard to find a black doll in 1959, but that's how bent she was on getting that. And if my mother were alive today, I'd love to have that conversation just to hear how excruciatingly painful That must have been for her to make a conscientious and deliberate decision that today my baby is going to smile and be happy. I'll save that fight for another day, but she's gonna feel normal today. But that had to be tough. That had to be tough. And I never forgot that story uh, which speaks so succinctly to the power of social construct. And it's up to us, I hope that so many of your broadcasts are helping people to to rail against social construct messaging and to believe in you and your own capacity. Um, Another point that I would make to you is that um, I have been positioned by virtue of some of the successes that I've enjoyed, to, to get revenge, if you will. There's a unique story in chapter nine. I wish we had time to talk about it, but in chapter nine, but uh, I've decided, ML, that uh, I, I'm more interested in building a better community. Uh, we can spend our time trying to get even because there's a lot to get even about. There's a lot to be angry about. But when you're angry, you miss your end for creating a better circumstance for other people and for the community in general. And I have committed myself and my work in this book to building a better community. Uh, I can get even, smile, feel good for a minute or two, but what have I done for the community? That's where the value is, in my opinion.
1: If you don't build your community, if you don't, if you're constantly angry and getting revenge on people, you're actually doing yourself a disservice. That's all it is right there. You're doing yourself a disservice. How many no, times sure. do we get mad at people when it's our own actions that are leading to that <laughs> result?
0: Absolutely. I should take you with some of my talking uh, opportunities to help me make that point.
1: <laughs> I would love that. <laughs>
0: Great points, Great point. Yeah. Uh, How's our time, by the way?
1: We're actually almost out of time. So I want to make sure (laughs) this has been a great talk, but where can people find you, what you do, and how to get in touch with you and your books? Absolutely. So
0: why not when? That book dropped in 2019, and the Institute followed it. Uh, We have what's referred to as the Why Not Win Institute. So we can be found on social media. Larry Thornton, you know, uh, you can find me on social media and the book. Uh, Interestingly enough, we just dropped our uh, graphic novel, which is just to this side of me. Uh, You Have to Live, Why Not Win is the name of that. Uh, And we're so excited about that. This is taken from the book, which allows us to reach a younger demographic. This book just this week won two book awards and we're just so excited about about that. But going into these spaces, uh, all of these sales are nonprofit, uh, every dime that we make 100% of proceeds go back into the Institute. And we have been on more than 40 college campuses taking this message because I firmly believe that there are some MLs and there are some Larrys sitting in these classrooms, just like I was, and who are not listening, just like you didn't listen. But if we go out of our way, like Miss Nichols did my senior English teacher to make a difference in my life, I never got a chance to thank her ML for what she did. She had passed on when I got sensing enough to realize her impact. So every time we go into the schools, uh, we, we're just having fun. They're buying these books, a 1,000, you know, 2,800. Uh, mm-hmm. That book is, this book is in eight colleges and universities as a mandatory read. Ms. Nichols would be so proud. Two colleges, each East Tennessee State University and Kennesaw State University has a course to their honors students. The name of the course is Why Not Win?, And uh, when I think of the impact and the number of lives that Ms. Nichols has been able to touch through my uh, example, I mean, I just, it just makes me a very, very humble and grateful and appreciative individual.
1: Right. If we can help one person a day as an individual, help one person, that's 365 people a year you can help. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Just help one person. That doesn't mean give them money, go, go buy them a McDonald's cheeseburger open the door for them smile ask them how their day is something small
0: little things little things
1: just little things you can help 365 people a year just by helping
0: one person by helping one and when you help that one we have no way miss nichols had no way of measuring the number of people i have 240 employees Uh, I serve at the highest executive level of three corporations. So I get to touch all of these people through that one person to your point that Ms. Nichols was kind enough to go out of her way to help.
1: Yeah, she helped you, but by helping you, you've helped thousands upon thousands of people that you can't even count because you don't even know the true effects.
0: Great. Well, Emil, you are so easy to talk to. Thank you so much for this. And I hope that your listeners... Uh, would be able to take some value out of our conversation today. It's been awesome.
1: I'm sure they will. And thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. And have a wonderful, wonderful success and and everything that you continue to do. And I can't wait to see what else you have. Absolutely.
0: Our success is inherently attached, inexplicably linked to the success of those around us. We should remember that. Thank you, M.L.
1: Thank you so much. And for all of our readers and our listeners, happy healing.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time.